This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Hello and welcome to Line Dance Podcast on Move Radio, live from Vegas Dance Explosion. This is the voice of Christopher Gonzalez, and I'm sitting here today with... Megan Barcelia. And right now we are in the Line Dance Lobby at Vegas Dance Explosion. The Line Dance Lobby is an interesting idea of Doug and Jackie Miranda, the hosts of this event, where during the lunch breaks, during the dinner breaks, and while workshops are going, folks can come out, and it's an all-request format. People are around the outsides, they're having their meal, they're mingling, they're meeting people that they might otherwise not see while they're in the midst of a workshop. And it really overall creates a casual atmosphere. There's, there's also vendors set up along the outside so that people can shop and you know just really enjoy their time. Indeed. They, they seem to be catering to the needs of many people in one room. You've got uh, the boogie table. That's uh, Michael Barr and Michelle Burton. We've got friends from home coming by and saying hello. Uh, we've got uh, larger-than-life-size photos of all of the instructors up on the wall. There's a gigantic banner. It's probably 10 feet. 30. It says Lion Dance Lobby. We have all the state flags on the other side. Got state flags up above us just to the right here. And currently playing is Ain't Misbehavin'. That is the uh, winning, what is it, dance of the year at the Crystal Boot Awards this past year in Blackpool. That was the co-creation of Amy Glass, now Amy Bailey, Guyton Mundy, and Joe Thompson-Zmanski. We also have the Kellys, who have just walked up. We've got Kelly, last name, girl, on her name tag, (laughs) standing next to Kelly Boy, otherwise known as Kelly Cavallaro. 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 All right, Kelly seems to uh, approve of my pronunciation on that. And Kelly Harford. All right, we have a, a single seat for the two of so hopefully they like each other enough to get to see. All right, as we shift things over slightly, as we shift things over slightly here, we have lapel mics on Megan and myself, and we have the USB mic tethered to the laptop. So we'll be pointing... Mike's hither and yawn as with the listening us. Hey, Julie Lockton says, hey, good evening, Vegas, from Alicante, Spain. That sounds like a spicy place to live. <laughs> All right. Kelly, what are your impressions? Boy, Kelly, what are your impressions <laughs> of Las Vegas and the dance explosion this year thus far? <laughs> the live mic is this one right here in my hand. Um, so far, I love it. Um, I've actually been to the event before, um, back when it was at the Riviera, um, about five or six years ago. So I love the new venue way better than the Riviera. Um, I like the openness that was uh, that I think Riviera was missing. Um, you really can't go wrong with 1,500 line dancers. <laughs> so, yeah, that, uh, so far so good. We got here yesterday. I'm uh, looking forward to spending a week here in Sin City. <laughs> All right, same question for Girl Kelly as we shift the lapel mic over in your direction as well as point point the big mic 
up in your grill. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. It's great seeing so many different line dancers that we only usually get to see at normally one or two events a year. So, And it's kind of fun because we're not working this event. So it's great to be actually able to socialize with everybody. What is it that you usually do in your working events? Um, I personally take care of all of the photography with Kelly Christine Photography between night photography um, and then I also do a lot of the competitions as well. So, I'm very much looking forward to nailing down an in-depth interview with both of you at some point in the future. What have you thought of the dance selections thus far? as far as those on the workshop schedule, as well as those that, uh, that we have seen here in the lobby and in the ballrooms? Um, so far, I'm liking it. Um, I like how a couple of them have been some throwbacks, like uh, this morning, uh, Will and Amy taught mirrors, which probably hasn't been taught on a regular basis in four to five years, if not longer. Um, and I like how it mixes with the newer stuff, uh, like the stuff Guyton just did on his weekend last weekend for his final one in Sweden, how Shane's brought that over and Joe Thompson brought that over. Um, plus a lot of the stuff that a lot of people don't get to see on a regular basis. A lot of these instructors don't travel um, throughout the U.S. as much as uh, everyone it seems. So you have the Kinzers, you have uh, Philip that get to share a lot of their stuff that a lot of these people don't normally get to see. So it's, I think it's a good mix so far. Like I said, we got here yesterday. I looked at the schedule briefly. Um, so I was actually up this morning. I was at a 9 a.m. class. So granted, it was my dance. <laughs> so it really doesn't count. <laughs> what do you suppose some of the challenges would be? As somebody who has DJed events before, with this many people, how does one even start to keep track of who knows what and who's going to be where at what time? You really can't. Um if you try to pre-plan, you're probably going to fail six people or 106 people. Like we just saw. We just saw the dance being done that had the floor was packed, and right now we're looking over at 15 people on the floor. So you really can't. You just got to go with what's what, what the flow is. That's the kind of the benefit and the downfall with having 1,500 people, but you have five rooms being danced in at all times. Everyone's got an option of something. You got some couples dancing going on. You got all levels of line dancing, uh, instructors, American instructors, Australian instructors. You have something here for everyone, and I think that's the that's the key. You have what forty instructors? I think we're on the lineup. Something Some, like that. Yeah, a lot um, from all levels. That some of them just teach nothing but beginner improvement dances, and some of them teach nothing but advanced and, and phrase dances that are the crazy stuff. So you got something for a little bit of everybody. And I think that's what's event where everyone keeps their after you get 1,500 dancers from all over the world. So. All right. Thank you for that thorough answer. <laughs> what do you uh, predict for the late night dancing here as somebody who has been up late at night at multiple events as well, Windy City and um, Motor City? You've been to a few. What changes after dark? Uh, well, <laughs> are you sure you want me to answer that live? Because <laughs> um, at night, it's it's kind of odd. The, the instructors get to let loose. Um, they get to do things they normally don't get to do during the day because they're always teaching. They're running for show practices. They're they're worried about doing privates. They're worried about selling their uh, their merchandise like shirts and stuff. 
at night they don't have to do that. At night they just get to sit back with everybody and have fun. And that proved last night when I went live for when Rob Fowler at 12.05 did the Beast for Rebecca Lee's birthday. You get to see, like, come watch the video. You had Shane McKeever, Rebecca Lee, enjoying themselves at 1 o'clock in the morning doing the Beast. A dance that's 20 years old, and you have dancers that haven't been around for 20 years filling the floor and having their, bringing their own style to it. You, you pretty much never know what's going to happen after dark. That's, that's the big key. Come... The saying goes, nothing ever good happens after 2 a.m. That's partially true because you never know what's going to happen after 2 a.m. <laughs> so I enjoy it, though. That's the, that's what I thrive on. I love it when I'm, I have a live feed going and all of a sudden Louis, Louis in a, it gets in a groove and he's playing an awesome set. And you have 30 pros still up mixed with all the diehard dancers that are up. So you have a pack room at 2.33 o'clock in the morning doing a dance that's 15 years old that half the people in the audience were like, what is this? They had never even seen it before. It's great. It's like when uh, Guyton brought back Natural Selection. Half the people in the crowd never even saw it. And it was awesome because they're like, what is this? And you had 30 people on the floor doing a dance that is going back 18 years old almost. It's those moments that I love. It's because... You, you can't plan that. That's just something you cannot plan at all. I have a question for both of you, and I'll start with Girl Kelly on this one. Have there been any interesting or unusual crossovers that you've seen so far here? Thus far, Megan and I have seen friends of ours from Northern California at one specific country bar meeting up with people from a particular region of L.A., and they're getting along just like fast friends, like they've been dancing together for years is there any combination of people that just has kind of shaken you out of your normal reality so far um i wouldn't really say shaken out of my normal reality because for us we're we're blessed to be able to be at events weekend and week out that we can actually say some of our best friends are overseas full-time but we're lucky enough to see them multiple times a year between here and there so it's it's fun because just because you live on the opposite side of the country or the opposite side of the world it's never oh you know the only time we get to see you is if you come to us or we come to you it's hey let's go to all go to this event and have fun so it's been great yeah i would agree with that one because we're kind of lucky like last week we we're at a west coast swing event in tampa the week before that, we're at a line dance event with these two in Detroit. We get to see so many people, and everyone gets to interact. The thing I probably love the most is watching the couples dancers and line dancers share a floor and interact with each other. It's great. Like John Lindo, who is probably one of the greatest West Coast swing dancers of all time, um, is here teaching West Coast swing, and he was out there yesterday learning uh, – a class for Madison Glover take it, learning a line dance and that I love I love it when line dancers turn around and will learn West Coast Swing or any kind of couples dance and share the floor and couples dancers turn around and learn line dancing because that's what it's really all about everyone's sharing the floor together that's what makes that's what makes it awesome because at late at night who knows you, you might not know any of the next 20 line dances get played but if you know how to learn West Coast Swing or Two-Step, hey, you could still dance. And same thing, if 
they might not be playing a West Coast Swing or two-step, but if you know a line dance or two and they play them, guess what? You can still get up and dance, and that's what it's about is enjoying your craft for so long. So, Coming from somebody who has not seen as many events as I'm sure the both of you have, are there any other events that offer as much... Well, repeat the question. Are there any other events that you've seen that offer as much in the way of technique training? Ooh, um, no. Um, Windy City does a couple of them. Uh, Derek over at Motor City did a couple of them. But other than that, you usually I've only seen maybe one or two technique classes throughout the weekend. Um, I love the technique classes. I love it when you turn around and see John Robinson or Joe Thompson teaching a technique class. I wish there'd be more of them because learning the proper technique can change the way you dance in a matter of moments. It's great. It's, it could be the most annoying feeling or the greatest feeling. You can get that, ah, that's what that's supposed to look like moment or, oh, crap, I've been doing that wrong all this time moment. And guess what? They both work the same way because you still learn something. Um, I was blessed. I kind of learned it backwards. I started line dancing first with Guyton Mundy almost 18 years ago. And then I ended up in a dance studio learning how to couples dance. So I learned all my proper technique at the very beginning when I was first learning how to line dance. So I've been very blessed to take lessons from some of the greatest instructors all over the world. And what you can last a lifetime. That is love. I wish we'd see more choreographers that Justin teaches every now and again. The classes, uh, Debbie Pancoast just taught one at Motor City and she taught one at Chicago. She is amazing at breaking down movement, uh, how to make your body just move properly. Uh, John Robinson, learning this, the fundamentals that he teaches of how to enjoy it and how to break down just the little tiny steps that you might not realize, oh, that's what that's supposed to look like. It's... I wish everyone, every workshop would have it. Granted, not a lot of people care about technique anymore, and it's a shame. They just want to learn the newest, hottest dance craze. Um, and that's why you see 400 new dances a week. But if some people would slow down and learn the technique and learn some, they'll realize that 10, 15 years ago, hey, we had some good dances still that don't get done anymore. Like Guyton Mundy has two dances that won a world title that have never been taught at a dance event, ever. What two are those? Um, oh, man, now you're going to make me think. The question for, for those who didn't hear Megan on the recorder was, uh, which two are those? One was a, a Will Smith song, and then the other one was he did a, a phrase dance to a Christina, uh, Dirty by Christina Aguilera. Um, there was another dance at the time. Um, and I think the Will, Dan- Will Smith song was I Can't Stop. And I think that was the name of the dance as well. Um, it was one he competed at his very first world championship back in 05 or 04. Um, and one. Those are the two. out of He placed in all five divisions at the time when there was five divisions. And those are the two that won. And they have never been taught at a dance event ever. So if you go back and look at some of the dances, like he's probably got over 100 dances on his website. And I guarantee a lot of people maybe know 25 of them. <laughs> I told him. I told him his last year he should have never, not even wrote any new dances. He could have went back to his, his his old catalog and taught dances that no one knew, and been set for the for his whole his whole last year and a half. <laughs> so, I have a question about the the early morning classes. So, 
there are those of us who stay up late at night. And we experience that until 2 a.m., 4 a.m., whatever it might go to. There are others who get up at the crack of 8.45 to get to a class at 9 a.m. I've heard that those can be some of the most passionate people to, to go through that much uh, difficulty. And for others, like I, if they're going to sleep early and waking up early... They're there. They're motivated. They want to take that morning class. Would you prefer to teach the folks who are getting up that early and want to be there or the late afternoon, early evening crowd who might be beaten, tired, and they just uh, they just want to take a nap? Do you think there is a difference? Maybe I'm making it all up. Um, if I was ever privileged enough to get invited to an event to teach... I don't think I'd care. Um, I would bring the same passion and emotion, whether it's at 9 a.m. or at 9 p.m. That's just me. Um, I got up this morning and took a 9 a.m. class after being up for 24 hours um, because my best friend was teaching it. Um, So I I never thought that I would see a packed house like that at a 9 a.m. class. It involved cities las vegas because <laughs> everyone stays up so late um but I, I checked out three of the four rooms this morning and every room was packed will and amy had a huge class from mares trevor had a huge class in there for honky tonk highway Jonas dahlgren had a huge class for i believe it was oh pretty woman um so this morning's classes were amazing and they didn't stop like i went to trevor's at 11 to shoot some video for him and he had a packed house in the Majestic Ballroom for, for his 11 o'clock class as well. I think that's the, the benefit at the, uh, an event like this. When you have 1,500 dancers, at any given time, you could have the biggest class you've ever taught to. Events a lot. You could have, like, Wendy, six people. You're never going to probably have more than two to 300 in a class. If that, you have you have amazing instructor teaching against amazing instructor every hour. And you hear... You could top that at a 9 a.m. workshop easily without even blinking an eye. Um, and I just, that's what I think is amazing. I think if, if I'm still competing right now. So if once I do start teaching again, if I was ever lucky enough to get invited to an event like this, I don't think I'd care. I would, I would get up at 9 a.m. And, and have the same passion. If I was, everyone's different. Some aren't morning people, some are. You, you can't show a difference between them you you got to bring that same level of emotion every time because that's what's going to keep them coming back if it wasn't for these 1500 people these 40 instructors wouldn't have a job and that's been my theory from day one it's if it wasn't for them wanting to keep coming and learning dances those instructors wouldn't have job they wouldn't be choreographing more dances because they wouldn't have nowhere to teach we spoke with somebody recently i believe um, in reno who said that in the entertainment industry, no bad days. You're not allowed to have them. If you're in the public sphere, then yeah, 9 a.m., 5 p.m., 7 p.m., they all got to look the same because it's it's for those people. How do you survive a six-day event with high energy? How would you recommend making it through as an instructor or as an attendee You know, from Tuesday all the way to Sunday, maintaining that energy level, that enthusiasm, that... Joe Thompson's Zemanskiness that uh, 
that can almost seem superhuman. How does one do that? Is it a food thing, sleep, uh, personal heart combination? Besides energy drinks and lots and lots of chocolate? Uh, no. I'm going to go with probably the, the heart because that's something you can't teach. That's the one thing that you can't. These instructors can take classes from other instructors like when they're trying to become an instructor. The one thing that cannot be taught is stamina. You have, you either have that it factor or you don't. That's, that's something you can't take a lesson on. I've taken lessons on technique, flow, body movement on 20 different dance styles. And the one thing I can't learn is how to get in front of a crowd and just to be able to, you're on. You either have it or you don't. Um, I, I guess that's the, the best example I like to use, actually, when people ask me this question, is Trevor, Trevor Thornton. Two years ago, he won the USLDCC. But before that, his local class at the barn in Sanford and 30 people to 200. No matter, he could be on no sleep, he could be on 10 hours of sleep. You put him on a stage and give him a microphone, and he's on. He is he is on point, and that's just something you can't teach. He has it. It's that if factor, and I think that's what makes a he made a huge difference when he was competing. Um, it made a huge difference when he won and got to go teach at World Dance Masters. He's taught in Spain. He's taught in England, Paris. He's going to Australia. That's what keeps getting him back. It's he has that. It, you have to be on. And when other event directors see that, they're like, "That's what we want at our event. That's what we want our attendees to see." We want to see that. And that's, I think that's what the big difference is, is when you never know who's going to be sitting in the back of your class that owns an event that get maybe get, they might only get 150 people, but guess what? They want to bring you and they want to fly you into say Brazil or Indonesia or Taiwan. You never know who's going to be sitting in your class and be like, I want that guy or I want that girl. And if you have a bad class and you're not on and that's the one they chose to take, that could cost you going to a country and getting to teach where you never got the tops. It could be a gift and a curse. <laughs> Something I don't think I don't think it could be taught or you could really, oh yeah, only do this. Because guess what? Someone else could be doing the totally opposite and still survive. It's just on them. In DC. And winning is really just half the battle. Once you have that opportunity, you really have to follow through. And I'm curious, when somebody let's say, wins the competition here and they're guaranteed a spot teaching the following year, if you and your dance are put up against one of the major draws of the weekend or six days as an actual week here, uh, how do you draw people to your class? How do you make people think that you are on equal standing with some big hit dance that is being taught around the world or some instructor who does unpredictable things that you feel like you can't miss. How do you, as the little guy, meet those standards? Are we talking just like, at, like an event here? We're talking about at Vegas? At any event where you have been given the ball and you need to run with it, how do you do that? Don't sort anything. Here, probably a little... Four classes every hour, you have 1,500 answers. All 1,500 answers aren't going to go to the same class. That's just not physically going to happen, and especially on an event like this that's going to repeat. People are going to look at the workshop schedule like, oh, wait, I don't have to take this this hour. I can learn it in two days at this hour. 
So they might give someone another chance. Um, bring your best. Don't don't ever slack off when it comes to your choreography. Um, bring the bring your energy level. That's just don't. You got there for a reason. You you worked your butt off to get there for a reason. Don't just don't just sit on on your win. Don't just sit on that one dance that might have got you that win. Keep bringing it. If this is what you truly want to do, you got to keep coming out with new stuff. You got to keep bringing your best every time. And that's the one thing I learned from Guyton when he when he first started coming into the, this this world. I was lucky enough to dance on his dance team with him. And the one thing he always did with his next dance is he made it out to challenge himself. He didn't challenge it. He didn't write a lot at the beginning for everyone else. He wrote for himself because he wanted to say, what can I do better? What can I bring to the table that was and people love? Always brought that next level. You have to keep, you get to just keep bringing that energy. Um, whether or not you're writing a slow dance, a fast dance, a beginner dance, an advanced dance. Don't try to go out of your go out of your comfort zone a little bit, but don't try to go above what you're capable of. And just bring every time. You know what? Just one person seeing it and it get huge. One dance can blow up. Questions for you. <laughs> She's grinning. That's never good. <laughs> um, actually, you might actually like this one. Um, <laughs> I was actually wondering. From the competitor side and the choreographer side, how did it feel walking into that 9 a.m. room and having that packed floor for people wanting to learn your dance? You snuck in a 9 a.m. class, didn't you? <laughs> um, okay, for those who don't know what she's referring to, this morning, the 9 a.m. class I actually attended, since I'm not working, my best friend Trevor Thornton taught my dance Hawking Talk Highway uh, that won the new novice division, the USLDCC at Fun in the Sun. And then I took it to World Dance Masters and it won Skinner Country Division at World Dance Masters. So, and I've been privileged enough that Madison Glover's been teaching it, Joanne Brady, Trevor, Jonas. And he taught it this morning. And I walk in at 8.45 before he's even in there and half the floor is full waiting for him to start. And then he gets in there, and I'm standing in the back on a carpet because there was no room to get on the floor. And um, he loves to tell the story of how I wrote the dance and embarrassed the daylights out of me to start off the class every time that I'm in his class. Uh, so, um, yeah, that was kind of surreal. Um, I've I've been honored to do a lot of things in my life. I've danced at many events with with. Guyton Mundy in front of thousands of people. I've competed in England. I've competed at the World Championships. I've won two world titles in couples dancing. Um, yeah, that that was pretty surreal, standing in the back and then getting up on the stage with them and having a packed house at 9 o'clock in the morning in Las Vegas, Nevada. Yeah, I, I was kind of speechless and uh Kelly took some pictures and we took some video and we went live for one of them. Um, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty amazing. I have to say that might, that's right up there with, that's up there in my top five, top six things of all time so far in my life. <laughs> um, the other thing is, 
So you keep referencing the fact that you are not working, and when we do a um, actual, real in-depth interview, I would I would love to get further into it. Um, but if you want to just touch on the topic of some of the stuff that you do normally at events, just kind of skim the top because I know you guys do pretty much everything, um, and what the difference has been for you. I know it's only been like half a day already, but like I mean, it's got to be completely different. Yeah, half a day, and I've already gone live three times. <laughs> um, you're right. Um, so for those who don't know, um, we work for Jennifer and Jason Cameron. They have JC Dance Productions, um, and we install all their dance floor all over all over the country. Um, love both of them. They're actually here somewhere in Vegas right now enjoying the city, uh, probably gambling if I know my boss. Um, that's where I kind of started in um, about three years ago when um, – video part away me and Jason's idea when we try to do it see how, what it would take and I started seven year old films um it was usually at the events um and then about three years ago randomly when we we're at Boston me and uh Shane Goodell who uh has epic gear photography who used to do events um on a whim decided yo why don't we try to live feed this and that was before Facebook had Facebook Live. We did it off Ustream and Livestream. And um, the very first event we did was Boston three years ago. And um, we did it off with cell phone connection, no Wi-Fi, no nothing, with a tripod, with a camera taped. And it worked. And we kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it. And as the technology has gotten better, we've changed some things. And we currently do... Pretty much almost every major event, Alliance event in the United States. We do a bunch of swing events as well. We do a UCWDC event. Um, we live feed mainly. We just did Motor City two weeks ago for line dance. We did uh, Florida Westie Fest last weekend for a swing event. We did the floor at uh, that one as well. Um, and then going on two years now, my girlfriend, who happens to also mean be named Kelly, um, we started Kelly Christine Photography uh, when Shane stepped away and we stepped in to add that she already had a photography company that she did and we started we figured we're i figured almost four years ago i'm there i enjoy what i do um i love to dance i love to i love to make people happy and if i could share my passion for dance with people all over the world i love to do that um so i also uh compete in the choreography competitions um the USLDCC currently, and I compete at Masters. Um, I DJ a couple events a year, uh, two of Jen and Jason's events, Fun in the Sun and um, Hotlanta. And I also do the DJing at Steve Lascarbo's Line Dancer Spring Break. And I am on staff again to DJ at Big Bang Dance Festival with, from Mr. Will Craig. So, um, yeah, I do a lot. <laughs> I This is weird. Um, yeah, it's only about, I've been here a day now so far, and I've granted, I'm not technically supposed to be working but i've gone live i figured if i'm going to be here I, it's hard for me to step away from the camera um i love doing it so much but yeah i'm technically not working this weekend we're here to this is kelly's first trip to vegas so we're here to enjoy ourselves but you know me it's hard for me not to not to work i i've hard like it's hard for me right now sitting here talking and knowing i could be 
going live in the line dance lobby right now and sharing it because I think there's an impromptu lesson actually going on right this now. This is tush actually push. the tush push lesson <laughs> that was from last night's impromptu competition between the male and female instructors in which uh, yeah. allegedly the female instructors won, but now they have to teach. So yeah, I'm not entirely sure who no, the winner the, was. The winner was the girls, and they said the winning one, that's who the sex was going to to teach the lesson and I watched that no offense that wasn't even a competition guys if you're listening you need to step up your tush push game man that was bad guys <laughs> well there's that but I think that was actually the plan because <laughs> now they don't now they get to take a break they don't have to have this impromptu teach, yeah, which now, now actually, if you if you ask me, the current instructor of this impromptu lesson is Cat Painter. So these individuals are very, very fortunate to get this impromptu right, lesson so from someone like her. Right. I, I don't think that – I think the guys want – I think that's what they planned. But, yeah, they kind of threw it through that competition last night. And now, like you said, Cat Painter's out there teaching an impromptu lesson. But – you got a packed lobby. It's lunch break, and you have probably 250 people in this lobby right now uh, dancing and um, taking a lesson and just enjoying themselves because there's no classes going on, and you still have a packed lobby. Like, at a normal event, this would probably be almost 90% of the attendees. <laughs> so to have that on a lunch break, still taking lessons, that's what makes this event awesome. So one of the things that oh, Chris and I have the – blessing and a curse issue of is just simply walking between where the event is hosted and the hotel elevator like we, we were saying hallways you know amazing place but also very dangerous because you get stopped by everybody how many people have you guys been like oh my gosh i didn't realize you guys were coming here it was actually kind of funny yesterday because not many people knew we were coming. Um, I know you two did because we saw each other two weeks ago. So y'all knew we were coming. JP knew. A couple people knew. But it was kind of funny. I got a half dozen messages like, oh, what time are you going live? Guys, I'm going on vacation. What? Yes, I'm going on vacation. We're not, we're not here to work. So it was kind of cool. Um, yeah, we walked around yesterday and got stopped a lot because um, a lot of people – they were like, like Madison Glover didn't know where she was going to get to see us again before next year. Um, a lot of the attendees that we normally don't get to see because we don't come out west a lot. Um, I think this is the farthest west we together as a, since we've started dating. Um, I used to, when I worked for, uh, for Dance Connection years ago, um, but normally we, we we do a lot of Midwest and East Coast stuff. It's just kind of cool. I don't see a lot of these people. Like I don't get to see a California crowd that often. I've been very blessed that. You two have started coming to more events on the East Coast, so I now that I've met y'all, to Charlotte, so I have him in my same time zone now. So, granted, it's hard because we're used to calling him at twelve o'clock at night, and it only be nine. Actually, it's it's great. And the fact that I get best friend, this has been kind of fun. Um, I don't get to see a lot of these people on a regular basis, and again, I don't get to see him when I'm not doing anything. Normally, I would already like it stay on a normal dance floor. Um, all day and then i'd be either djing or starting to videos tonight so not having to to be behind the camera that i'm choosing to it's been kind of, it's weird i i i'm that workaholic kind of guy who likes to do things so who knows something to tell um, if nothing stops me i'll be going live here again late, late, later tonight <laughs> most likely yeah i know one of my favorite things about this lobby is just seeing people see each other 
for the first time. Like we just had um, JP walk into the ballroom, and this is uh, Jono had just arrived today, and so they were all excited to see each other and whatnot. Um, was there is there any particular lesson? That you're taking. Are you guys excited to maybe potentially meet a uh, in- new instructor for the first time? We have the schedule here in paper uh, right in front of us if you'd like to flip through that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the, the couple that I actually have actually never officially met Kat Painter. Um, I know she follows my live feeds all the time, so I've actually never got to meet her. I actually know now that my debate not friends with a lot of Facebook. I've a meeting, I've heard of a lot of them. Um, any on this list that I didn't already know from traveling around and them coming, like, I just don't get to see them that often. Um, yeah, I don't think there's anybody else that I, I didn't already know um, or haven't at least met before. So, yeah. I'm curious. They teach in very specific ways, like guidance, uh-huhs, and say maybes. And Joe with... Uh, she's got something similar there as well with uh, with say yes or uh, just her general upbeat technique and you you can do it attitude. And then there are folks like Simon and yeah, you really never know. Um, are there any people here? As you can see, all the instructors on the wall there. You want to sit in on a class for is their teeth? Whether or not you style. Well, I'm going to give two. Um, I never taken. From Roy Verdonk, but I've heard he is absolutely amazing. Um, just the way he likes to break, he knows how to break. So technical. I heard he's in inter- Honk Highway. I got to listen to her teach, and in the 18 years I've been doing this and going to events and taking lessons from different people, it might have been the most entertaining class I've ever taken in my life, and that was Joanne Brady. I took a 10 a.m. workshop on Sunday. The last day of the event after four days of dancing and the energy this woman brought to this class. I would love to see it on a day that was at the beginning of the week when she, no, they're not tired. It's not been four days of dancing. You're not on Sunday morning after a whole Saturday night show and dancing all night long where she was up all night. But the energy and this, the, the fun she took to that class was absolutely amazing. And I would love to sit in on another class of hers just to watch the entertainment value. Um, I walked in briefly yesterday to one of her basins, I think, and she had like 300 people from what I could do, a rough count. She had a packed floor. And I love seeing the room. And I see an amazing instructor have 10 people. It's when I see an instructor who has earned it and busted their butt for years to get recognized, turn around and have 300 people. And that's that's... Just amazing feeling. Again, editor, one they're just apart at an event like this from the other styles that are being taught. Because uh, as we mentioned, you'll be up against like some of the top people in the world at what they do. And if you try to bring, just go to Rebecca Shane, or if you want some pretty, maybe they'll just go to Joe for one of hers. Uh, if you want something bar. Uh, gets your blood pumping dance, maybe they're going to go to Trevor's. How do you bring in something that nobody else has when there are so many people covering so many different genres? What niches aren't being covered or attended to well enough, in your opinion? Like Broadway musicals, anything out in left field that you can think of? 
Not anything. Uh, I've seen a lot of genres covered pretty Nike waltzes, Viennese waltz, West Coast swing style. Lately, I tend to be a big fan of country music. I've always believed that's where we started. That's what started this one non-country. But because I like to be different. That's the one thing I've brought. Uh, not many people have danced to country music. I actually think, I believe at Fun in the Sun, when me and you both competed, I think there was three dances, if I'm not mistaken, I think there might have been one other entry, country song. I remember going to Marathon, and I competed four dances, three country songs in the entire event. Same thing at a lot of events. A lot of people aren't choreographing to country music anymore, and I think that's that's a key. A lot of people may not like country, but you know can go wrong for us for the first 15 years of line dancing when this got huge it's not going to go wrong now because guess what if you try to go out and line dancing in public most country bars still like that country music it might be the more upbeat country but guess what they're still going to play a country song over a hip-hop song nine times out of ten so if you write to an awesome country track there's a good chance guess what you're going to get played in every major country bar in the world and we're kind of privileged. You dance at a lot of country bars, y'all, in California. Y'all dance at a good amount. In Florida, we're privileged to have some of the best country dancing at bars in the world. In the barn in Sanford, we got tons of tons of places. Back there goes um, John Dembick. Uh, oh, actually, he's uh, he's around here somewhere. Who uh, was telling us about White Buffalo Saloon just recently? Right. Exactly. We have tons of them. But we have a lot of places in Florida that do both. That will get event dances and bar dances. Event dances aren't the higher percentage of dances done in the country. Bar dancers actually make up more of a percentage of actually people who line dance. If I had to take a pretty good gamble and of line dancers in the in the in the country that do dances. So if you say to yourself as a, as a thing, well, I'm only going to write for the, these people. I'm going to write for these people. You might be, you might hang around for a while, but if people stop doing your dances, then you're not going to go nowhere. And I've always believed if I write what I enjoy, not turn around and write what someone else enjoys. If I write what I'm going to like doing, I'm more likely going to bring something that's really good. Because guess what? I'm going to have in it. And if my passion bring it for, that's the niche. You can't just turn around and say, oh, well, I need to write this because that's the only way I'm going to be able to compete against this, 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 and this instructor. You can't do that because what happens if they turn around and bring the same thing? You don't know what time slots you're going to get. You could be a luck of the draw. You, you never know, never know who you're going to go up against at an event unless you're the only instructor at the event. That's the only safe way to say, well, guess what? I'm going to have this many people in my class because you're the only instructor that hour. Here, you can't do that. So you need to pick, say you have to submit five dances. You better pick five dances that you know can at least put up a fight and that you can bring that passion of your own style to every time. Like, don't write something. If you don't if you don't like waltz, I don't recommend you writing a waltz. Just it's not going to go well. I just have a feeling it's not going to go well. <laughs> so yeah, people can tell. They they can read when you are just going through the motions, and uh, you are stuck then with that dance forever. 
for every event you go to where people are requesting that you dance that dance with them, you are going to have to grit your teeth and dance it whether you like it or not, and you'd better like it. So just like it from the outset, you won't have a problem. You'll be excited. Right. I hear all the time of people who write to a song, and they'll turn around and go, oh, I'm so tired of hearing this. If you're tired of hearing your own dance, something's wrong. You, you should never get tired of hearing your own dance played, especially if it's packing the floor every night. I, if, I, I don't care if it's tomorrow night or 20 years from now. If Honky Tonk Highway is played, I'm going to get up and dance with the same amount of energy as I did when I first wrote it. And that's just me. And that's because, guess what? That's what people want. That's, uh, if people are getting dance, I'm going to be like, wow, they're still doing my dance. Great. I'm never going to get tired of that song. I never write to a song that I'm tired of hearing because you got to listen to it. I don't know about anybody else, but I listen to a song a good 15, 20 times before I even put a step to it. I, I think I've listened to, I have a playlist on my phone where I've probably listened to songs 15, 20 times that I still haven't started writing to because I, I try to learn every niche and cranny, and I'm not allowed to listen to them. I can listen to them right now. I can go up and put the one I'm working on right now. I could probably put it on and listen to it for the next hour straight and not get tired of it. I just finished one for my next competition that I probably listened to for probably an hour and a half and I think I got tired. She's really hard to listen to. It's hard to find in between jumping on the newest thing because if you get there before anyone else does and you have the hit dance to it, then maybe people will learn your dance. But if you haven't had the time to listen to it many many reps over you don't know if you are going to get tired of it however if you go on the other extreme and you try to choose uh you know a song that's been around since the 60s maybe other people are tired of it by that point so if you are able to find say that that little zone where simon seems to have found uh almost classic songs where they didn't get so big that they became overplayed uh, that but are still uh, good enough to want to hear a bunch of times. Maybe he's been listening to some of those songs for 10 years and hasn't got tired of them. That's a, a good litmus test right there. Yeah, I've, I've learned to stay away from top 40 songs. Last time I did that, me and you stay away from songs that are, are, are new coming out because that that's just kind of bit me in the butt the last time I did that. <laughs> three of us wrote, three of us released one on the exact same day to Copper Dob and yeah, you just because you never know what's going to happen. Then um, I try usually to I, I do a lot like Simon does. I listen to songs. I listen to songs. Granted, I still listen to the stuff that's new coming out, but I don't listen to the stuff that's already on the radio. Because nine times out of ten, if it's already on the radio, it's been already on the radio in England, and they wrote one thing to it two months ago. <laughs> so, like, I think the fighter when Roy wrote to the fighter, Trevor went over to Spain. He's like. What is this dance? I've never even heard of this song before. And they were already doing the fighter over over in Europe, and we haven't even got the song released in the stage yet. Um, that's what you kind of got to deal with. You, that's the first place. If I hear a song that I might like, the first thing I do is check Copper Knob, and I make sure nothing's been released. And then, and then I saw Copper Knob usually for two to three days and make sure nothing gets released. And I'm like, okay, maybe I'm going to release something to it. And... Um, I don't know. I'm I, I'm an advocate of don't hold back. If you're going to create something, don't hold it. Do that. If you, you can't keep worrying about, oh, someone might learn it, because guess what? Someone might right on top of you. And I'm I'm the big advocate of 
and I guess I got this from like still comp- competing. Um, a lot of the competitors don't release their dances before they compete them. I think I've done that once in a year, once in the last year uh, since those final se- this third season started the USLBCC. I've released every one of my dances to Copper Knob, I think before I competed. Um, Honky Tonk Highway was be I Trevor taught it two weeks before Fun in the Sun. Um, so I just I it's not going to hurt you. You might not win the competition, but if you turn around, you have two thousand people requesting your dance at an event. Did you really lose? You have two thousand people doing a dance you wrote. You didn't beat five people. Did you really lose in the long run? No. <laughs> Any thoughts on that, Megan? Uh, that's actually with the... We had an accidental mishap with entering the competition at Vegas this year. And we are not competing this year. But two of the three dances that Chris was going to be competing, one is is K's for Kicks, the others Can't Walk Away, which are done internationally. So realistically we looked at it like yeah it would have been really cool to be able to compete in vegas and get more exposure more you know feedback but at the same time the reception we've you know we've received from can't walk away and he's received from k's for kicks is just i mean for it being like my first dance can't walk away i couldn't ask for any more than what i've already received and it's just been amazing so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. If you have 200 people doing your dance already, did you really lose? Yeah, that's kind of funny because I got canceled last minute at Chicago. I was supposed to compete, and that got canceled at the last minute um, due to a numbers error. And uh, and I actually, in all retrospect, I thought I lost to you with KS for Kicks at Fun in the Sun. I really did. When I they announced me as first and you didn't even place, I was totally shocked. I thought you beat me because um, that dance is Amazing! I love that dance, and I love what y'all did to Can't Walk Away. Even though I had one to it too, I have no complaints there. Um, but yeah, you really can't go wrong. Like I could have, when I announced, decided to come here this weekend to compete, um, I could have entered. But I'm to the point where why? Um, I already made the decision at the very beginning of the year. This is my last year competing. Um, I've done the USLDCC for three years. Um, I almost didn't even do it this year. Um, my girlfriend and Trevor actually convinced me to do it. Um, and I have two events left. And you know what? I have no complaints because, like Megan just said, when I wake up at 9 o'clock in the morning on a Thursday morning at an event to a packed ballroom learning my dance and dancing my dance, what more can you really ask for? That's that's going to get you more recognition than having you beaten five people to a crowd of 20. Um, I love the, I love to do if you never danced taught before Chicago does it, Vegas does it here. Um, I love that kind of format. Um, granted I've been blessed. I, I taught couples dancing for a while. So, um, I'm no problems teaching. Um, I love, I love that moment where a student gets that, oh, that is awesome moment in their look, in their eye. And so I think that if someone, if someone's going to do my dance, even though I don't have to compete it, I'm totally okay with that. 
If there are any other secret sources of solid music that you would recommend, a, a few that occur to me are covers. Uh, if, if let's say there's a popular song and you're like, oh, I don't know if anyone wants to hear Journey do this, but like now that there's this acapella group out there, maybe they'll do it and it'll sound better and it'll slow down. It'll be a ballad or something like that. So you got covers, you got remixes. Like I got a woman. Uh, that's the Rude Dog remix, I believe. And um, what was the other one? Oh, yes. Greatest hits albums of obscure artists. Because if it was good enough to become a hit, but you have no idea who that person is, then maybe it hasn't been overplayed, as opposed to, say, Beatles' greatest hits, where everybody's heard everything. And they've probably heard it enough times for their life, every event they go to. Are there any other sources of music that, that you find make for great dances uh, regularly that other people might not be thinking about? You, you hit most of them. Um, I find a lot of country versions. Like a couple years ago, I wrote a dance called... Uh, I wrote a dance to the... Just, Justin Timberlake did the song... Um, drink, me, drink, drink You Away. I love the version of the song. Um, I found a guy who did a country version of it. Um, I wrote to it. I love versions like that. I, I actually search YouTube a lot. If I find a song that I really like, I will turn around and try to find a weird mix to it or a weird version of it. Then a lot of the times what I'll do is, I know I'm giving away my trade secret here, I will uh, I'll take a, a song that I know got popular and then I'll go and look at the rest of the album. Uh, with the exception of Ed Shireen, because usually his entire album... There's 400 dances to 12 songs. But, like, my my recent one I just released um, called Be My Mine was to an Adam Lambert song called Fever off the same album as Trespassing. Um, and I just released it. I believe Kayla Cosgrove is teaching it this weekend in New York State of Line. Um, John Robinson um, was going to – he looked at it. He loves it. I'm competing it in Florida Classic. And that's where I found that one. Um is, it was a random track. It's an eight-year-old song that no one really danced with. There was a couple dances on Copper Dom, but I, I always I check with JP. Yo, have you ever heard this done at an event? And he had never heard it played at an event. So I, I try to I try to stay away from stuff that's played top forty because nine times out of ten, by the time we hear it here in the states, someone in Europe or England has already heard it and wrote to it weeks before because it gets released over there. Um, and I stick a lot of times I stick to country it's just me a lot of people kind of veer away from it nowadays but I'm just a big advocate of bring back the country it's just me there are some competitors who win and then you never see them again there are some who win and then they follow through and they just build from there and there are some people who get hired to events without having to compete at all how do those people do that? What is it that they bring that somebody sees without them ever having to start from the, the bottom up, so to speak? Um, I don't really think it's, it's just they don't do nothing. They they wrote a hot dance that someone saw and like, yo, I want to teach that. Um, not, not, to, not to dog him at all, but look at Darren Mitchell, Lonely Drum. He never competed it. Maddie brought it over a year ago. I saw it. I'm like, that dance is going to be hot. When she taught it at Fun in the Sun last year, I'm like, that dance is going to go places. And Maddie saw him write it. She brought it over to the States, and it took off like wildfire. It's done everywhere. 
It's one of the top dances. It's still, I believe, in the top ten on Copper Knob. And it's been how many months now since he's written it? Um, so it's it's really, there's nothing really, if you see that, all it takes. All it's is one thing to dance. Instructor, which is internet, they really, really like that. Bam. If it's taught. Done. That's all That's all it takes. It, you don't necessarily have to win a competition. Granted, some of these competitions have made it easier. But like you said, some people win and you never see them again. Um, I think that's why I love about the USLDC so much. There's multiple qualifiers. You get to see these same people multiple times. And you have so much exposure opportunities. Like, I've competed at every USLDC event this year. I've competed at most of them the last two years. And I just... The response I've gotten from things has been amazing. And I, I don't think I would have gotten that response if I didn't have the competition. Does that mean I will stop choreographing? No. This just means there's less chance of exposure. These competitions are great exposure. Uh, because you never know what judge is judging you or what choreographer and instructor in the crowd is like, I'm going to take that to that next level. So, I'm curious about uh, when you say the, if the right person sees you or sees your dance, they, they might bring it someplace. Why is it that some instructors do cover teaches, so to speak, when it's at face value, the more only their own dances and they get all closure, would motivate us to take a chance and teach somebody else's dance for themselves? It really depends. Just you can write a dance and you can teach. And just, you can write a dance in today. A lot of dance out today. Or I can take this really awesome dance that a person I know wrote and teach it. He can teach it just as well. Why Why bother? Um, I think these instructors are going to... Oh, sorry. I think these instructors are going to keep bringing brought regardless of... If they keep bringing new dances. If they could teach, they're going to get that same amount of respect. Because guess what? Their classes are going to be packed. Maddie's classes are going to be packed whether or not she's teaching a dance that she wrote or a dance that someone else wrote. Because why? She's an amazing instructor. And she brings that if fact that I was talking about earlier to her demos and to the dance she brought. Like, I watched a couple weeks ago when she did the, they did the video of her and Darren dancing Lonely Drum. And they don't look like the same dance when they're when Maddie dances to Darren dances. Not saying either one is better. Not saying either one is worse. But Maddie knew what she could do with that dance. Brought it over. Exposed it. Bam. It's like when Rachel, two years ago, right before the second ever USLDC comp, it debuted at Tampa three years ago. Um, the second one was in Boston. Trevor Thornton wrote a dance called Sugar. Um, to a dance called Sugar. Um, Rachel taught it in Reno two weeks before. Could she have wrote, taught something else? Absolutely. But why? When she can give, she saw the dance, saw that it had a Macy potential, give someone else the opportunity. Does it going to hurt her career any less? Absolutely not. But would it help Trevor's? Absolutely. Tre- Sugar went on to win at Boston. Trevor Turner went on to win the first year USLDCC. Why? Because he had amazing dances that other people wanted to teach. Same concept. All you have to do is find that one person that wants to bring it. I was lucky enough to Honky Tonk Highway after Front of the Sun. Maddie took it back to Australia. Trevor still taught it at events. Joanne Brady's teaching it. It was taught in um, France. 
Jonas just taught it in Spain. Trevor taught it in Spain. I was very lucky, very lucky, because these international instructors wanted to teach a dance that I wrote. And that's what it's about. If Why do we need to turn around and have 400 people write 400 new dances a day? You don't. You have all these amazing instructors. And if it wasn't for the people that are currently doing it, you're never going to know who these people are. And if it wasn't for these competitions and for other people teaching other people's stuff, where would we be in five years? Like, look at everyone. Rachel stepped away. She's only doing a couple of events. Guyton's retired. What, we, what are we going to do when Scott retires, Will retires, Joe Thompson retires? If people aren't releasing new stuff. Or if we don't have these amazing instructors that can teach all these dances, where are we going to be? We're going to be at a line dance event with no instructors. So coming up, we're the, fu- we're the future. We're, you got to have next people in place because eventually some of these people are going to have to have to step away. They're not going to be able to do it. Not going to do it forever. You get, they're going to get tired. Look at guys. And if they wouldn't have stepped away if they didn't know they were leaving the line dance world in good hands. That's why you, you, you see them both when they released their retirement statements and how they're stepping away, look at the, what they wrote and what they said. And we have some amazing dances written by a lot of people that no one knows. And if it wasn't for some of these instructors, some of these dances wouldn't even be done. And the collaborations help a lot as well. I know that uh, Guyton has helped Fred Whitehouse, Roy Hittisabroto, Shane McKeever immensely with bringing them more exposure and merging their styles. He's done the same with Rebecca Lee just recently. And, of course, Rachel with her collaborations with Trevor and Madison and Cody Flowers uh, and others. It's uh, a way of helping share the torch on their way to wherever it is that they go. I'm, I'm curious, as somebody who has decided not to compete in the future, do you see yourself continuing on the basis of your dance's quality and if that's the case what do you without giving away too much have in the works uh, besides diving back into country what do you see as being the next step your follow through now that honky tonk highway has taken off in the way that it has don't at all if any more um i'm still I, i still go to events I'm there doing floor. I'm there doing video and photo. I'm there DJing. So I'm at the events. Do I tend to slow down? Not a chance. Um, I have a couple things in the works for uh, video-wise, for live stream-wise, uh, a couple different ideas that we're going to do and start producing more of um, that I think a lot of people enjoy watching. Um, my goal, I love what I do. I my, do it all. Um, maybe hired to do it all, but have the option. If someone wants to call me up and say, hey, we need you to come DJ. Great. Hey, we want you to come live feed. Awesome. Hey, absolutely living off dance. Um, this year, dance floor and, and do um, and photograph photos stuff. So um, I'm very lucky. I fell into a job that I was very lucky to get. Um, I have two amazing bosses with JC Dance Productions and Jennifer and Jason Cameron who have trusted me with doing something 
all over the country for them, and that's installing the dance floor. And because of that, I've been able to do other things. So I am very privileged and I'm very thankful for what I have and for what they've given me. I couldn't ask for probably two better people in my life. Uh, pretty much I do. I call them mom and dad usually. I've, I've known them. Jen Cameron was actually my very first line dance coach. When I very first started competing years and years ago, she was my very first line dance coach. And I've just stuck with on a week construction. Uh, we bowl together. We go. Um, we live 25 minutes away from each other. Um, and because of that, I've been able to add the video, the photo, I DJ. Um, and I used to compete in country western couples. And I competed in a little bit. And I've been privileged enough that I kept choreographing. Um, I've been around some of the greatest of all time. Um, the two people that have probably influenced me the most, uh, Guyton, who I got to start with. And I was privileged enough to dance with him seven nights a week. He was in my local. We, we danced at the local club together. I was, I've known him since before him. No, he was probably the great. I fell in love of going there and improving. And then I lost a bet and had to learn how to couple. And that hasn't gone too bad. So, me none. I just, I don't have a deadline now. Like, I have two weeks now before Steph seats are due for Florida Line Dance Classic. I don't have to worry about deadlines no more. I, that's the, probably the best thing. I only have to worry about if I get a deadline like, hey, we want, to teach, want you to teach at this event. Great. I have that much time before I have to have stuff done. I'm not going to slow down at all. Um, if anything, I'm going to probably pick up pick up the pace. Um, I know a lot of people is you only have a limited time. No one's going to be able to do it forever. No one is of it. Privilege so far, Rocky Tonk Highway's got this year, um, and I'm definitely going to try to build off that. I'm curious, as somebody who has not seen you, one of your teaches before. What is that Titan class to feel cool? If I take a, a Joe class, I'm going to feel like whatever it was that she taught, like I just, I had fun with it and I get to dance that with her. And like, that's, that's, and I'm like, all right, do that. And I've done that before. If I learn what my, I like to break down. I taught me how to fix Joe's called Gomer. And if they were piled from the old TV shows, your sister. Uh, For those who, because I'm old, um, I like to, I don't use a word, but to dumb things down. I, I learned how to... I used to teach couples dancing in Texas. If anybody knows guys from Texas, there's two things they do in Texas. Drink beer and watch sports. They don't take dance lessons. So when their wife dragged them to a dance lesson on a Sunday, you teach it to them they're going to be interested in. So I learned how to find that niche with people of what they can relate to and turn it into something. I like to, I like to break things down. I like to have fun with everybody. And I'm a technique freak. I, that's, that's just me. I, I like to teach steps the right way. <laughs> in agreement, Kelly girl on the side. But uh, like I used to teach a couples class in Texas, and I had six guys in there. They all played high school football together. So I taught them how to do the basic two-step steps with how they would run their football drills, like through the tires and um, stuff like that, because they'd have to pick up their feet the proper way. They'd have to do things to learn how to play football that way. You can relate it to dancing. You just got to figure out how to do it. I like I said earlier, I've been privileged enough to take a lot of lessons from a lot of amazing instructors, and they taught me a lot. And I learned how to merge all of that because no one, no two people learn the same way. 
no two people are going to, you're not going to walk into a class and like, okay, I can teach these two people the exact same way. Nine times out of 10, that's not going to happen. You got to be able to adapt. You got to be able to overcome that difference and adapt to your class. You can end up having half that class. You can have 60 people in your class. 30 of them might be able to pick it up on the first time. The other 30 might take 10 times. So then you have to find that happy median of what you're going to do. And um, it's been a while since I've taught line dance classes. I doing the I, uh, competing. I really can't get paid. So um, I used to teach couples dancing a lot. Um, I like I love it. I used to teach a lot of couples dancing. So my my teaching skills, I, I learned how to adapt. So I think for me, and like I said for the beginning, no matter if it's 9 a.m. or 5 p.m., I'm going to have that same passion and emotion regardless of what time of day it is. If I'm privileged enough that you want to take a lesson from me, I'm going to make sure you enjoy that no matter what it takes. Yeah, and you seem like you certainly have the work ethic to back it up as somebody who goes from event to event to event year-round. Yeah, um, I'm kind of lucky. A lot of people are like, well, I wish I could afford to do those. If I didn't work, I wouldn't be there. If I, I couldn't afford to go to all these events I do, I'm very, very lucky at what I do. Um, I decided a long time ago that if I'm going to do something, I'm going to put my all into it. If I love it, I'm going to give it my all. And when Jen and Jason trusted me to do their dance floor, I was like, okay, I'm going to make sure no dance floor company in the country is going to have a better floor than us. And every time I put that floor down, I make sure it goes down and that those people that are going to dance on that floor have the best experience, regardless of what it takes. I could be up for 10, 10 hours after driving for 18. I'm going to make sure that floor is ready. Uh, same thing when I'm doing live feeds. I don't care if one person's at home watching it or 2,000 people are home watching it. I'm going to bring that same effort every time I go live. When I do the workshop videos are the same. When we do photos, when I DJ, it's the same way. I just, I'm going to bring that same intensity every time. And that's just how I've, how I've done things. I want to make sure that I bring my best every time I do something. And it gets me where it gets me. You sound like you're very detail oriented. And you mentioned that you're, you're focused on technique as well. And you also mentioned that there are some people who can make a dance look like a million bucks. And it'll be different from the person standing next to them. What are some of the details that make those people with the it factor really show the potential of a dance and make it pop? I've heard things like eye contact with the crowd, arm movements, posture. What are some things? And this this I, I would ask of uh, the other folks here, Megan and, and Girl Kelly, who are here with us. Uh, we'll, we'll go from right to left. Uh, Girl Kelly, Kelly Harford, what are some of the the little details that you see those with the it factor applying towards their dance form that make dances look incredible and something you would want to do or at least watch? There's, there's several different factors. Like We're blessed in this community to have so many people that have been dancing their entire lives I mean, most people don't know, but overseas, they start dancing when they're kids. And they start having the passion when they're children. Because when we went to World Dance Masters, 
we were looking at that floor and going, that 15-year-old should not be able to be dancing like that because she is a six-year-old even. That They're amazing because they have the technique and the, the foundation that's possible. Um, everybody's personality is different. Like, if you just bring your personality to the floor, most of the time it's just a fun... You know, you never know what's going to come out of Fred and Shane. You never know what crazy thing Rebecca is going to come up with. But it's it's the fun. It's the passion. You can tell they're, they're out there for more than, okay, I have to do it in a minute and a half of my demo. Let's just, let's just get it over with. I want to go do something else. I want to go have dinner. But they show that their passion, their love for it makes them want to, okay, go to that demo. Or, hey, I want to dance with them at open dance. And... Some people don't think that they are able to, but most instructors, hey, you want to dance their dance? If if it's not something that's been played in the main ballroom, I've seen at some events, hey, can we go to the all-request room? If I request your dance, would you mind dancing with us? Absolutely not. Very rarely have I ever seen an instructor say no. Or, hey, give me 10 minutes, my dance will be on in the main ballroom, and then we'll go over there and we'll dance as much as you want. So it's just the passion and the, the getting to know each other more on a – a heart level then it's just oh hi your name's Christopher and you're from here it's getting to know them getting to know at home it's just taking the extra step and caring I guess so that's a big thing I think exactly like she said there's really not just one thing um, the energy the technique the the passion the funness you never know watching demos what's going to happen. Whether or not you're going to see 15 people on the floor um, or like at Windy City where you're going to see Scott Shrank come out to two dozen different demos and mess up 11 out of the 12 he does um, just for fun because he's trying to break the ice in the crowd. Um, or actually the very first time I actually saw you dance, Chris, was demos last year at Windy City because that was the first time I actually saw you. With Rachel. When, when you demoed with Rachel – and it's just the energy level. Um, it's it could be the most subtle thing that someone picks up on. It doesn't have to be something extravagant. But I guess the one thing, if I had to limit it down to one, confidence. If you step on the floor and you're confident in what you're doing, it's going to show. You know you know that dance like the back of your hand. And you know that you can go out there and perform it with with no problems it's going to show and someone's going to be like oh wow that looks really good compared to someone who's just going through the motions and and I think that's the biggest difference confidence you have to be confident in what you can do so I guess I would have to start off with heart honestly because when the person out there demoing genuinely cares you feel that connection automatically and so it doesn't matter if they're doing one you've already learned one that you're like oh I can't stand this song or like oh I love this song if they're giving it their all you're going to be at least your interest is going to be piqued um I actually it's hard because I, I totally agree with the confidence thing but I, it's not so much in confidence in you know the dance versus you know yourself because one of my favorite people to watch demo is Joanne Brady. She is a hoot. She is so much fun and she is so lively and she's just 
honest with who she is as an individual. And it just makes me want to learn whatever she's teaching. Granted, nine times out of ten, I actually already know it. But, you know, it's like because she's just so confident in who she is as a person and she's accepted herself on that dance floor. I'm like, God, I love this woman, you know? So it really just depends on the circumstance too, because like as the person viewing, what am I connecting with? Am I feeling more of the emotional stuff or do I want to let loose and, you know, do something crazy and have a blast and party dance? Or do I want something that's going to really just make me feel so that's another contributing factor. Actually, one of my favorite demos to watch, and I got to see it last night and I saw it at Windy City, is actually you, Megan. Me? Yeah. Um, <laughs> when Clap Snap. Yes. Oh, you do Clap Snap with Rebecca, and I actually got to see it last night. Take it one step further because you had Cat Painter out there with you as well. And watching the three of you, I don't know how anybody in the crowd would not want to just go attend that class. Because I watched it at Windy City, and I saw you two, you demo with her, and even danced in it with her. Um, from watching it dance the first time when she just did it the first time, and then watching what y'all bring to it, totally different dance. It's, it's that's it's just that type of thing. You have you get that whole crowd reaction, and that you can definitely tell your confidence in that you you know that dance and you have no problems of showing your little spunkiness that you have (laughs) when you're dancing that at all (laughs) well thank you that's a huge compliment i appreciate that (laughs) i think clap 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 is a a really good example of a dance that the choreographer believes in because that came out months and months and months ago and it was it was taught in palm springs winter break in january and some people at, at an event like this would uh, would think, oh, I, I better release something just in time for it. But she had the confidence to bring well, that dance back uh, months later and and say this is good enough for Vegas. Just to clarify, uh, Kelly was referring to Clap Snap by Rebecca. Okay. Um, you were referring to Clap, Clap, Clap by Amy, which are two of my favorite dances. Of <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Lots of clapping. There's a lot of clapping. <laughs> So, but no, I, I agree with you too. It, it does say something about when the instructor really believes in the dance too, that they bring it and they're really focused on it. And I know I've had several conversations with Amy specifically about certain dances and like she loves clap, clap, clap and speak to a girl so much. And it really does show when she's out there dancing them and teaching them how much she cares about those dances that, you know, she wants other people to be able to care about them, too. So. You mentioned that there's a lot of clapping going on this weekend. Are there any interesting percussive movements that have been hooky enough for you to take on the entire dance just so you can do that thing? Like, lay low, has the four snaps going down like raindrops? When you're in a room and that happens, it's like magic. Is there anything that you've seen that's like that? that uh, makes you want to learn the whole dance just to get to that one cool part? Percussion sounds? Um, probably not that I can think of that I haven't seen already. Uh, the one movement that I guess everyone in the room does, regardless of the dancer or not, is... Uh, Fred and no. Well, Fred and Shane, when they decide to jump halfway across the ballroom floor. But... Um, Competition. 
what was uh, stomp your feet? The little hand check in the air. Yeah. Regardless of what's going on, it's, it's stuff like that. Or like the one I, and I I've never learned the dance yet, but I love the song is for Picture Perfect when he makes the little camera frames with his. It's stuff like that, that little soldies that, yeah, that just sell something a dance like that. It seems like Rachel comes up with one in just about every dance that she does. Some little thing that you thought I didn't know we could do that in a line dance, but now I must. Are there any little things that you don't have to necessarily say exactly what they are, but are there any things that you experiment with or play with on, in your free time to see, could I work this into a dance? Like like the, the hand towel in Do Something Crazy. You know, you've got Shane and, and uh, Guyton thinking, let's do something with towels. Like, is there anything that you thought uh, before, maybe we could get away with that in a lion dance, whether or not you plan to release it? <laughs> Actually, no. Uh, the one I think of is uh, I've been working on a dance that uh, I want to make it work and either be done as a line dance or a pattern partner dance because there's such a big community for both. And um, I was, I've was i been playing with a song where people could either do it kind of like how they do uh, the junior, the one. Yeah, cruising's one of them. Uh, the Junior Willis dance, the cha-cha. No, uh, somewhere with you. People do it paired up all the time. Um, stuff like that. I've been, I've been playing with that. I think it brings a different element um, to the floor because it can either be done by yourself or you can partner up. Um, I love what Will and Amy did with Mirrors. Absolutely love. I love that contra dance. Uh, it, they kept it pretty. The simplicity of how the contra worked was great. Um, Straight to the Castle does something interesting like that as well. Joey Warren's, that's actually the first one of the first workshops I've taken in years because I'm always working and when we were at the experience, Joey Warren debuted Straight to the Castle. And yeah, th- for that took it to a different level because one, you never see Pasta Dobles. And two, to go from a normal dance to a Contra, back to normal, back to Contra, blew people's mind. It was amazing i love the difference that dance brought i i wrote one also that played with missing walls where it because of the, the 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 restarts or a tag you skipped an entire wall like i wrote a three wall nightclub <laughs> not purposely it just happens to be with the restarts hit when we restart you never hit the back wall um stuff like that i love little nuances because it's Dancing nowadays is not like it was 10, 15 years ago where you just did the same 32 counts over and over and over again. You danced through every break. You didn't worry about a restart. You end up might off, you end up off phrasing like in the watermelon crawl. <laughs> um, so they're more like performances. So many dances today are one-walled. So many dances are only two-walled. We only do it front and back. You have to have that little craziness. You, you, it's... it's I don't know. There's not much I haven't seen done in a line dance between Guyton with his Tutton, Kenny J and um, Guyton and O'Shane doing the towels in their dances, the stomping, the, the, the stepping moves. There's not much done that I haven't seen done, but we keep evolving. You never know what's going to happen next. You mentioned 
some of these dances seeming like performances, and you've known people like Guyton just on a totally casual basis. What is it that keeps some of these high performers with the it factor, with all the details, humble? How, how do they stay human while being known internationally and having these you know, 10-foot-tall pictures of themselves posted up to the wall? It seems like all of the ones that we've met are willing to stick around and chat with you for a while about any, any little thing of life. What is it about line dancers? Maybe, maybe it's not specifically line dancers. Maybe it, it's just person-to-person. Uh, person. What keeps them uh, grounded in reality? Because they know that if it wasn't for other dancers, they wouldn't have those reputations. If it wouldn't be for all those people learning, wanting to learn from them, they wouldn't be around. So I think that's the key. They keep that level head because they know, hey, at any given time, I could stop getting hired. If it wasn't for that, that's, I think that's the big thing. As somebody who's been deep in the technological field of, uh, of line dance with live feeds and perhaps drones, we'll see. Uh, are there any other tools that you think could be brought to line dance either to improve the experience for those of us already in it or to give it more exposure or a more um, representative exposure to people outside of it to perhaps attract new people? Anything that uh, that you think isn't being tapped into right now? Um, I, I tap into a lot of it. So, <laughs> um, I, the one thing is I love the live feeding. The, I think that's my biggest passion besides my choreography right now is my live feeds. Because you never know who's going to log on and watch. It's just not dancers. Right now, we do it for free over Facebook. Um, so anybody can log on and watch. And like you were there, you actually were there in, in Detroit where. At one given time, we had about 800 people on that didn't even know what line dancing was. And you had people. Um, I'm I'm very lucky in my life. I have very friends, a lot of friends that will log on and they comment a lot. And they um, will provide information during it um, to people that aren't always at events. Um, my buddy Big Jim, Jim Sankowitz, uh, Betsy Courant, Carol Craven does a lot. And all three of them at Detroit were giving out the the, email, um, the website to the newsletter, the website to uh, different YouTube links with dancers because a bunch of people were on there watching like, what is this? We want to see more of this. Um, that's just, um, it reaches so many people. Um, at the Detroit, for instance, we had at any given time an average of about 1,300 people watching live with us on Saturday night. And I think we hit just over one million news feeds, different news feeds that the live feed was shared to. Yeah, I didn't forgot to share that with y'all before y'all left. I got the final numbers. Um, between the two live feeds we did on Saturday night, we hit just over a million news feeds reached. Uh, I got shared about 200 times. And um, the most we had online at one time was 1,998 people watching with us at the same time. Um, when I took it off of being live on Saturday mor- Sunday morning at 2.30 in the morning, we still had just over 1,300 people still watching. So the, the fun thing is, is it's, not, it's not just, you know, line dancers or random people. The instructors log on, too, from overseas that if, hey, they know where we're at because we post on Facebook and social media where we're at, they log on and say hey to everybody and get conversations going, which is really cool. Yeah, it was great because – 
we had Fred and Darren in Detroit with us, and Shane was in Sweden with Guyton, and Shane logged on on Saturday night as Sweden was ending. It was online chatting with everybody and chatting with Fred and Darren, and Gary O'Reilly was on. Gary O'Reilly is actually on a lot. Him and Shane log on all the time. It's Guillaume, Guillaume Richard logs on. Um, Maddie over in Australia. Simon. And Simon log on all the time, and they get to chat with people. And it's, it's great because a lot of times, like, we're on the East Coast. At that time, it was 8 o'clock at night. It was 2 o'clock in the morning. People were just going to bed over there. So they were watching as they go to bed, and then we're still live at 2 a.m. It's 8 a.m. over there. So as they're waking up, they still get to watch us dancing. Um, so I think it's a great way to share. Um, I, I started up when I, when I did this. I, I, I made it a very point. I, sh- I made it a point I want to perfect it. I will not charge people until I can perfect it. I will not charge charge customers to watch this until I can perfect it. And we're getting closer and closer and closer. Um, I'm bringing up some new things. Um, we're going to have some multiple cameras here coming here in the near future. Uh, hopefully, hopefully shorter. Um, we're going to go probably, uh, I don't know how much more we're going to do on Facebook as it's getting harder with the music license, but uh, we're going to get more on YouTube, bring it back to my website. Um, I'm still going to share the links to Facebook. Um, that way we get, because the, the people on Facebook is amazing. Same thing with YouTube. Um, but I think that's the biggest thing. And like Chris said, I do have a drone. Uh, the big one I don't fly inside right now because how size I will be going to smaller ones. But the, the goal is, like here, if I was, what my goal is, if I ever did this one is I want people at home to go watch every room, not just one, because you never know what's going to happen. I'd make myself very portable. My goal is I will make sure to, I want to go live in all rooms at one time and I know how to do it. I can get it done. And, um, that's one thing I'm working on. Um, we're going to start some more, uh, some more stuff on YouTube, some videos. Like I just did an interview, um, with Guyton in Chicago, uh, a final farewell interview where I got to ask him the personal questions and I'm going to be sharing that. And, um, I did agree to finally do the interview with these guys and, uh, we're going to have some fun with that. Um, my, uh, one of my best friends is JP Potter. Um, we're going to start some doing some videos on YouTube, um, some stuff, different stuff on that. So <laughs> make it to the background saying no. Um, my goal is to share as much with the line dance world, with the dance world actually in general. Um, there's so much that a lot of people don't get to see that I get to see and I want to make sure everyone gets to see that and I love sharing I love creating I love being able to take something that someone might see in a ballroom at 2 o'clock in the morning and turn it into this amazing thing that people get to wake up to the next morning and be like what did I miss by not being there and that's what I want I love creating and that's I think that's with the technology side. Um, it makes it a lot easier to share with the world. It's not like 10 years ago where you had to wait six months for a video cassette. Now I can literally take my phone out, hit one button, and I can share it with people halfway around the world. And I love that. Absolutely love it. The cool, the cool thing about what we're blessed to do is not only do we get to be in the line dance world, but we get to be in the West Coast swing world as well. So... Not only do we get to know these amazing line dance choreographers, but we're blessed to know 
amazing West Coast swing dancers like Ben and Cameo. We've gotten to spend time with Jordan and Tot, but it's being able to share both sides because a lot of line dancers are going, okay, so you're at a West Coast swing event. All I see is competition right now. But if you turn into the pro shows, you get to see these world-renowned U.S. Open multi-time champions dance. And that gets you into, well, I want to learn how to do that, which brings being able to do more at events of West Coast Swing and line dance. So, I did want to say um, that I know that there's been several times in which um, – Chris and I have not been able to make an event. <laughs> we, we, we've since perfected it a little bit better and have made more events, obviously. Well, yeah, of course, the not coming and show up is part of the surprise. No, um, <laughs> for those who don't know, they're referencing uh, Detroit in my original not supposed to be there and booking the flight at 7 p.m. when the flight leaves at 10. Um, <laughs> no. I love the live feed. It's one of, I think, the best assets we have right now um, for exposure as well as connecting. Like you said, like all these instructors log on from all across the world when they can't be at these events for one reason or another, and they get to connect with the people who also can't be there as well as the people who are there. I know I've been at an event once or twice and, you know, it'll be like, you know, seven arrow films is going live. I'm like, really? The dancing has already started. Oh crap. <laughs> you know, I gotta go, you know? And, you know, I've also, you know, seen a couple updates or whatever where, um, I've gone on and commented when people are like, what dance is this? And so I'm like, Oh, this is the dance. This is who it's by. So people get that information. Um, I know I've also, uh, watched a couple times and then privately messaged someone and been like, oh my gosh, watching you dance that dance was so much fun or whatever. And they, they'll be like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot the camera was even on. And so it's like, I absolutely love that that's there because I too forget the camera's on until all of a sudden I turn around and I'm like, oh, there's a camera right there. Oh, well, that was awkward. Yeah. <laughs> so Yeah, you were the talk of the town at Motor City. You and Kayla... And Chris, right there in the front where I had the camera a lot of the time. And if you went back and read some of the comments, we're like, yeah, they uh, they like to perform and they totally forgot the camera was there. It was kind of great. But, it, but it's also fun because not many like people realize Fred has a girlfriend at home. Shane has a girlfriend at home. They don't get to see them all the time. I think Allie's been to one or two events. So she doesn't even get to spend you know time with them at events like Worlds, where they're running around with their head chopped off because they have so many students and so many things going on. But they get to see their significant other perform in front of thousands of people. Okay, it might be 4 a.m. their time, but they'll still get up and watch them. But they get to see their significant others as they dance and express what they love to do and understand, hey, they've got to go work, but they're doing what they love to do instead of just going okay, I go to my 9-to-5 job, and, well, I come home with a paycheck. No, they come home with probably 500 friend requests on Facebook because everybody wants to be their friend, but they also get to share it with their families that a few years back, Helena actually announced in her showdown routine that she was pregnant, and that was a 
hush-hush, even from her family. So her family got to log on to the Boston Showdown and watch her announce that she's expecting. And she hasn't been able to come back to the States yet for us to meet the little munchkin. But we're super looking forward to meeting her as we watch her grow up over Facebook. So, Yeah, um, the, some of the stuff we got to share through the live feed that a lot of people haven't got to see has been probably the best thing. Um, emotional. emotional. I, I remember uh, when Fred debuted his homeless routine for the first time. It was actually the very first time we ever went live. Uh, that was a debut at Showdown. And um, I don't know if there was a dry eye in the place. And then um, the last year, I was very, very privileged enough to to see Guyton's farewell routine more than once. Um, I got to film and live feed the very first time he ever did it, which was at Showdown. Um, and then the very last time he did it at the very last of Florida event, um, along with some couple in between. Um, but those kind of emotions that people don't normally get to see is amazing because you have not not many people get to to experience some of the first um and i think that's that's the biggest thing like i can go live tonight and you not know what the heck is going to happen and i think that's the best thing like last night when i went live for the beast granted people have seen the rob fowler do the beast all the time last night he got to do it with shane mckeever and let me tell you if you haven't seen it i have it up on my facebook page still seven arrow films go watch it what uh, he does and brings to that dance and Shane, amazing. Absolutely amazing, guys. All right. Well, we are at the 3 o'clock hour. There's a question that I will just leave event directors with who are out there. You've got the venue. You've got the staff. You've got the dancers. And you've got the technology. What are you going to do to make your next ballroom live feed can't miss? Any thoughts from Megan? In general? I don't know. I mean, I think that was a surprise. I wasn't paying attention. I was watching the power mix going on on the dance floor in the lobby right now. But, um, no, I would have to say, like, essentially, there's so much available out there to make your dance or your dance event unique. Um, And that's going to be the thing to do is make it memorable. All right. Well, thank you very much, Kelly and Kelly and Honorary Kelly, otherwise known as Megan. Uh, Thank you for sitting down and and chatting with us as long as you have. We are here at Vegas Dance Explosion in the Line Dance Lobby, live on Move Radio. This is Line Dance Podcast with Seven Up Films and Kelly Cavallaro. And Megan Barcelia. And Christopher Gonzalez. And until next time, we will... See you on on the the dance dance floor. floor.